Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Please turn your cell phone ringers off. We are being recorded. My name is Shannon Little, and I'm your moderator today. Lunch is $11. There's a coffee table at the back, $2. Please put your money in the basket and uh, check that everyone else at the table has also done so. SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization in its 48th season, and contributions of members and session attendees help to cover expenses. We also encourage memberships. You can come and talk to Annalise over here for purchase or renewal. Some thank yous to the University of Lethbridge, Country Kitchen Catering, Shaw TV Channel 9. You can uh, see these this tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, CKXU 88.3 FM Radio Live. We're live on air right now. Lethbridge Herald and other local media for covering our events. Our presentation is going to be 25 to 30 minutes long. We'll have lunch, and at 1 o'clock we'll start our question and answer period, and we'll, we'll end our SACPOS session at 1.30. So I'm very honored to introduce our speaker today, Sophie LaBelle. Thank you, Sophie. Sophie was raised in rural Quebec and is an author and cartoonist exploring themes like gender expression and gender identity. She is also an elementary school teacher as well as an activist. In 2014, she was the first openly trans person to run during Quebec's provincial elections. She has published many children's books about gender issues and is currently working on a webcomic focusing on a transgender girl that is drawing worldwide attention. Assigned Male is, that, is the name of that comic, and it's available on Tumblr. Sophie also has some of her work available for purchase. You can come and see us over here if you're interested in that. Sophie's going to be speaking on what is trans feminism, what can it bring to feminism in general, how do you define cissexism, and why is it relevant to address cissexism. Sophie? Thank you, Shannon, and thank you, everybody, to, um, for coming here. Um, you'll, ex you'll excuse my strong French accent. Uh, I can't do anything about it, sadly. So, my name is Sophie. I'm trans. Um, I'm trans since uh, I know the, tr uh, the word, actually. I learned that word when I was nine years old uh, on TV. And it's been really useful as a, as a word, um, as a tool to explain how um, my experience of having a gender uh, is particular in our society. Because not everybody experiences their gender the same way. Some people never get to question it. Some people um, never have any problem with the gender they were assigned at birth. Because every one of, of us... Uh, every one of us is assigned a gender at birth. Um, you may not be 
conscious of it, uh, of that gender, um, but every time a uh, baby is pulled out of um, the belly of their mother or their, f their father, because yes, father can have babies, men can have babies. I know a couple of men that got pregnant and um, it is really important to address this issue because uh, there's no maternity wear for men. <laughs> this is the most important thing that I'll be telling you. <laughs> trans men, uh, some trans men have uterus. And, um, but I'm not here to talk about um, pregnancy, but it could be really relevant, actually. Um, so I learned the word uh, transsexual at nine years old. I didn't know the difference between trans, transgender, transsexual, and I actually thought it was a name, and it's actually an adjective. You don't say a transsexual or a transgender. You say a uh, transgender person, a trans person, a trans girl, trans women. And um, why so? Because uh, trans isn't um, a gender identity. You're not a woman, a man, or a trans. You're, um, trans defines a, an experience. It defines the experience of not identifying with the gender you were assigned at birth. And this is really important. And this is uh, kind of new to talk about uh, those things because a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have imagined that... Um, being trans wasn't anything but a medical condition. Trans people have experienced um, medicalization as no other groups have, except maybe intersex people, intersex um, defining people that are born with genitals that are considered ambiguous by doctors. And um, this definition is actually pretty important because what is ambiguity? Um, especially when you're talking about uh, somebody's genitals. Um, ambiguity is really subjective and being intersex actually uh, mostly refers to the way that uh, people will look at your genitals. And um, it was commonly um, accepted uh, to use the word hermaphrodite for, for uh, intersex people. Um, hermaphrodite uh, is a term that was used against intersex people. It was used to uh, put a, um, a medical condition on intersex people, and it was used to treat them uh, in ways that weren't consensual. And the term her hermaphrodite is uh, considered offensive by intersex communities, so I will use intersex um, instead or, of hermaphrodite during the, the presentation. Um, because intersex people and trans people do have a lot um, of fights in common when we're talking about medicalization, for example. And because uh, this is medicalization is the reason why we prefer to use the, uh, the word trans to describe um, our experience instead of transsexuality or transgenderism, which are mostly medical condition. Um, it, there were diagnoses before being identities or experiences. Uh, there were diagnoses, um, the, the word transsexuality uh, was invented by a doctor. 
and um, we try to, um, well, especially trans feminism, uh, tries to um, uh, to create a distance with um, with that term, transsexuality or transgenderism, and um, because first it creates many small wars between different trans communities who may or may not want to um, identify with the term transsexuality. And why is it relevant to address this issue? Because it may seem like it's, it's only like war, uh, word wars. It is really important because um, words, um, as I said, helps define um, our experience, helps um, Else, addressing different issues, and as I said, when I was nine, uh, I became trans because I learned the word trans. I um, was always um, my gender was always an issue in my family. Um, a lot earlier than um, before I was nine, um, because I have tons of picture of me as a four years old or a five years old with. Uh, you know, all kind of air clips in my hair or wearing dresses because that's what I did. And um, before I had the words uh, to explain it, uh, this was just seen as being uh, me and it was problematic because uh, people wouldn't understand it. And um, actually... At, I was nine years old, I think, when that psychologist um, at school took me out of class every week to give me tips on how to be more masculine. I, oh, yeah, this was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I had this kind of, um, you know, this was my destiny just to be... Um, just to being reminded every day that my masculinity wasn't uh, seen as being correct. So I would just go there and pretend that, yeah, I'm going to learn how to speak to other boys and sound like, an, like any other boys too. Um, and then I would learn how to walk like a boy. And this is really... Um, this, is, this brings a lot of anxiety to every children, actually. Um, as, an, as an elementary school teacher, uh, this is something I live with, uh, gender anxiety. And we do have trouble addressing this issue because we're always, um, we're always, uh, we always have to repeat our gender and sexuality are different. And since people mix them up, all the time, uh, and they see gender as um, as a way to understand future sexuality in children. I mean, a boy playing with a doll uh, won't necessarily turn out to be homosexual. Uh, playing with dolls do doesn't predict love towards wi uh, towards men, and. Uh, this makes it difficult to address the issue of gender in the classroom while this is where children learn uh, gender stereotypes, uh, gender roles. This is where they will learn um, everything that is gender-related. Uh, there will be gender police uh, as, as early as um, four years old. Uh, you take a kindergarten class and 
there will be gender police in that class, and there will be uh, children telling other children how to act um, because of their um, of the gender they, they perceive that children to be, and um, the fact that non-confirming children um, are invisible in those classrooms since they don't feel safe expressing themselves in the classroom makes it um, makes every children in that classroom thinking they're the only one thinking uh, they're, they're the only one having a gender expression or a gender identity that is different from the others since we try to hide everything um, that isn't conformed to what we expect from a certain gender. So, transfeminism. I'm a school teacher. Huh? Um, how did I became a feminist? This is really um, the most important question to ask because um, it really explains how the trans perspective on feminism is um, is relevant and uh, really useful to understand how, uh, how sexism and sexism. I'll explain that word later. Um, are very rooted in our society. When I transitioned, I started my transition at 13 years old um, because um, I had to, to wait from the time I learned that word to be, being able to express it in my family. Um, so I started my transition at 13 when I asked my parents to refer to me with different pronouns. But then um, I had to wait a lot more to be able to express my gender identity at school or uh, on the workplace. And um, when I did that social transition, uh, when I started to appear uh, as um, the, with the, the gender presentation I preferred, uh, I saw things change in the way people were acting with me. Um, people wouldn't talk to me the same way they did before. Uh, people stopped listening to me the same way they did before. Um, my opinion um, seemed to, to lose its value because um, as, uh, as uh, you hear uh, when I was presented, I ran I run during uh, last... Um, last election in Quebec. So I did a lot of politics uh, in my life and seeing how my opinion lost its, its value um, when I was talking about subjects uh, in which um, I did have a lot of expertise uh, like uh, politics or economics and seeing how other men, uh, other people would cut me um, to talk while I was talking or uh, when I would say something and then the subject would just change like if I had said nothing. This, this happened a couple of times before, but not as much as when I transitioned socially. And, and that kind of things, there are many examples. This is just an example. Uh, when I walk in the street, um, uh, if I'm not the one that is trying to avoid other people on the sidewalk where well, I just get bumped into <laughs> in, uh, I just bumped into other people um, because people um, stopped 
contorting me, you know. And um, there's so many examples like that. Um, and in the classroom, this is really, uh, this is really present. Uh, we see it uh, a lot in the classrooms. Uh, how uh, boys will have um, all the space to uh, to talk. To um, they will use the space to uh, to well. They will take the space uh, because we socialize uh, girls to uh, take the less space possible. And um, being trans puts a, a whole new perspective on this. Since I did experience how people would just give me the space and then the opposite. And this is why I do identify as feminist before identifying as trans. Because um, when I transitioned, I saw how the society was uh, deeply sexist. And um, the trans part of it is that uh, I, I experienced a kind of sexism that is also mixed with transphobia and cissexism. Transphobia is easily to uh, transphobia is easy to uh, to explain and to define. It is the hatred and fear of trans people. So when uh, when a trans person get attacked or uh, judged, well, we can call it transphobia. But what about um, when trans people face um, difficulties having their gender validated by society? How do we define the fact that um, trans people are having difficulties having access to um, healthcare or housing or any kind of um, structural barriers there is to trans lives. Um, this isn't transphobia when the government just won't change your sex markers on your documents. Um, this is how you can define sexism. Because cissexism is a bias, a uh, positive bias um, towards cisgender people. Cisgender people. Is there any cisgender person in the room? <laughs> this is a joke. Uh, you are the majority. <laughs> uh, cisgender um, comes from the Latin root cis, which is uh, the opposite of trans, to put it simply. Um, there, but uh, if we take the etymology, uh, there, there are a couple of problems with it, but um, the word is accepted without uh, necessarily uh, problematizing the, the, the etymology. I, I mean, we'll keep it to the Latins. Um, so cisgender people are people that um, identify with the, with the gender they were assigned at birth. And using that word is um, really uh, necessary to, um, for trans people to, to gain acceptance in society because it's really what, um, what defines the difference between cis, cis people and transgender people. Um, it is the fact that uh, the gender they were assigned at birth um, don't match their gender identity. And this is, um, this is a really better way to put it than to say that um, trans people are sick and cisgender people are just normal. 
um, which is a kind of harsh thing to say. <laughs> and um, so, sexism uh, is a structural barrier, uh, just like heterosexism. Heterosexism is to homophobia what cissexism is to transphobia. Because heterosexism exists um, in society without necessarily uh, being um, hatred or a uh, phobia of homo homosexual people or bisexual people. Um, and... Um, to acknowledge the sexism really helps um, trans people to gain allies. And this, uh, this point of view, just to uh, being reminded that um, people that aren't trans are cisgender, um, is what uh, we need as, um, as people want to be allies of trans people. Um, since it doesn't make trans people the other group. Being put into the other group is really what could be um, the worst thing, um, except if we look at the fact that uh, being a community that is um, facing the same structural problems uh, do help um, building strength, uh, strength and um, and you know, empowering ourselves and especially healing. Healing is really important in trans communities since um, the, w with all the different barriers uh, and the traumas that we can face due to transphobia, but also um, the fact that um, some, some uh, of us in the trans communities uh, face a lot of, um, of discrimination, but also since trans people are viewed as being um, unwanted, as um, are viewed as being sick, or are viewed um, as being outcasts, many trans people won't transition until late in life. Or trans, um, the fact that trans people aren't visible in society makes it so that some some people won't learn the word until very late in life. I was lucky. I was privileged to learn that word at nine years old. And um, what I hope for the future is that uh, I won't have to learn that word because it will be a common word um, in society. And um, that I, will, uh, I would have been able to express what I was feeling earlier uh, so that the traumas I faced, um, I struggled with, before transitioning uh, wouldn't have happened. This is what I hope the most for the future generations of trans people. It's that every uh, people know about trans people. And this is the same for uh, intersex issues. Because right now, um, the, the biggest um, challenge for uh, intersex communities is that uh, parents know what being intersex is when their, um, their child is born and the doctor uh, says that their genitals aren't conform and they need to mutilate that baby in order to um, see their um, genitalia conform to what we're awaiting from a certain um, 
certain genders. And, and addressing this issue in the classrooms is uh, an important way for me to, um, to spread the word about uh, trans people existing because this is hard and this is uh, what we do right now in 2015. We just repeat that we exist. Uh, March 31st uh, was the International uh, Trans Day of Visibility and we need that. Um, we need to see trans people um, not only uh, on the street being harassed uh, because when parents, when parents only have this idea of trans people, that trans people um, appear on um, medical TV shows, and when uh, we see uh, documentaries made about trans people, and all we see are those surgeries and those medical treatments that trans people get, well, it's this is really objectifying for trans people, and I doubt any parents, uh, when they're thinking about the future of their child, only represent themselves having um, having different surgeries. Um, they don't um, necessarily want that for a future. And um, when we only see trans people being um, being harassed and uh, depressive and anxious. Well, these are all things that uh, we face inside this trans community. Lately, I really wanted to talk about this today. Um, last last week, uh, there was a really big media uproar in Quebec about a trans boy that ran away from from his house because he was facing too too much transphobia from his family. Um, he is a close friend of mine, and uh, I didn't know where he was. Um, but when the media um, talked about, about him, um, well, they used the wrong pronouns. They called him she during the, all, in every article. They called him by his whole name, um, and so then uh, I decided to go out in the media to, to explain how um, this was an aggression, this was violent against, against him, especially, in, um, especially with the fact that he ran away because of that. And uh, by uh, calling him she during every article and um, seeing his face and there was this whole photo of him in a dress that, their, um, that his parents gave to the media and this photo was everywhere this was uh, th this is probably the worst thing that could have happened so I went out in the media uh, to say that well first I don't know where he is I don't know where he is but this is violent and this is what makes trans people unsafe in society and then uh, I spent some days at the police uh, police station because uh, they were sure I had infos on him. But <laughs> this was just the funny part. And um, if if there's anything that trans feminism can bring um, to society is that um, 
trans people aren't sick. Uh, trans people don't need uh, to be um, medicalized, and uh, trans people exist. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. Uh, so.